what those issues are that like mostly drive you. My favorite term is intersectionality because intersectionality basically says that we are all made up of different identities. Like there is not one identity that defines you. So for example, me, like I'm a woman, right? But I'm also a woman of color. I am also part of the LGBTQIA community. I also um, have mental health issues, like I'm passionate about mental health issues. So there are, you are part of many different worlds. And when you're walking along the world, you have many different faces, depending on what group you are facing. And so intersectionality addresses that, that you are not just a woman. You are not just a member of the LGBTQA. You are part of this bigger world and you cannot talk about one issue without talking about the other. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what a lot of people don't really understand. So specifically when we're talking about Latinx issues, a lot of people solely mm -hmm. want to talk about immigration. And then when you try to bring up machismo, mm -hmm. when you try to bring up um, femicidio, we try to bring all of those people get upset and they're like, that's not what we're talking about. And it's like, we cannot talk about Latinx issues without talking about all of the issues because there's multiple things going on. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to A Pretty Normal Podcast. I am your host, Xavier Diaz, and we have an amazing new interview for you this week. I had the pleasure of speaking with Jackie, aka La Gorda Corajuda, on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. She's a Latinx intersectional feminist making really awesome and educational content on social media and I came across her profile right before the 2020 election. As I came across her profile, I instantly knew that I needed to have her come on the show. She wants the best for her community and wants us all to progress forward. You could tell that with all the videos that she creates, even if that means discussing issues that make some people uncomfortable. Here's an example of some of her work that she's creating that made me really want to have an interview with her. But if people would have just listened to Black and Indigenous Latinos, they would have known that this was going to happen. The United States really lumped together people from 33 different countries, 33 different cultures into one category. And for some reason, expected all of them to identify with one another because some of them spoke the same language. Latinos is just a term for people who come from a certain geographical area, which is Latin America. It does not mean that all people have the same experiences, and it doesn't mean that all people identify with one another. We had a really great wide-ranging conversation about the Latinx community, what intersectionality means to her, how Democrats can improve their messaging to the Latinx community, and you'll definitely want to stick to the end of the episode where we discuss the subject of whether or not Latinos and Latinas can say the N-word. This has been a hot topic that she has discussed on her platform and I've discussed here on mine. I wanted to take some time to really dive into the issue and see where the disconnect lies among the Latinx community when it comes to this word. If you'd like to connect with Jackie, make sure to check out the show notes for the links. Also make sure to subscribe to A Pretty Normal Podcast so you get notified every time a new episode drops. This show can be found on Spotify, Google, Apple, and all other podcast streaming platforms. Subscribe and please leave us a review if you enjoy the content. Also, make sure to check out the website, www.aprettynormal.com, to check out all the brand new merchandise that we have on there so that you can support the show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at A Pretty Normal. Also, subscribe on YouTube. I've got a lot of videos on there that don't make it to the podcast, and you definitely don't want to miss that. Without further ado, my name is Xavier Diaz, and you're now listening to A Pretty Normal Podcast. You're listening to A Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought-provoking moments that make up our lives. My name's Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story.
Very excited to be here with Jackie, uh, host of Las Gordas on YouTube and on TikTok, Gorda Corajuda on Instagram, uh, other ways to find her. How are you doing today? You definitely have to explain to me what that means because I'm very interested. <laughs> yeah, hi. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, Gorda Corajuda basically means fat, angry girl. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny because my, uh, because a long time, I mean, for a long time, the word gorda or fat girl has been demonized and it's been used like as a bad term. And I don't think that the word itself is a bad term. So it's kind of like my way to take it back because uh, my family had used it in a negative connotation. And it was like, before you can call me that, I'm going to call myself that. And now I see it as a, a term of endearment. Mm. That's so interesting. In my family, like they've used it as like, ah, la gordita or el gordo. And it's, it's, it is a term of endearment already for them. And I felt like in English, it's definitely used more as a way to shame people. So that's cool that you're like retaking the word and trying to like give it a positive aspect of a term of endearment. And yeah, in my family it was always like, ah, la gordita or this, like, and I never knew like, are, is it offensive to some people? Yeah, it can definitely be offensive to some people. Like, even though they're trying to say it, like, in a nice way, mm -hmm. it's still, like, an insult to a lot of people. Because for a long time, there's there's a lot of fat phobia in our community. So mm -hmm. even if you're trying to say it in a nice way, it's not such a nice word. And so people aren't really used to just somebody calling themselves that in a positive way. So that's why I decided to take back the word. Mm. Do, you, do you see that as, like, a, a kind of consistent issue with like older Latinx people that they see things as like, this is not offensive. Like, what do you mean? This is not offensive. I'm, I'm using this as like a normal thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even when like people will tell them that, hey, this is actually pretty hurtful because you might be saying this right now positively, but the way you talk about fat people overall is negative. Mm -hmm. So I know that you have negative contention to it. So that's basically trying to explain to the older generation that it's not people being overly sensitive because they also don't like it when they get called that you know like they also have emotions and they also get hurt so it's like validating their emotions and that will help them validate yours in the future mm. and you got to tell me so how did you start the the tiktok you're doing really well i, I heard uh 10,000 or how many uh, followers is it on tiktok you passed uh, on TikTok right now, I'm at 170,000. Hey, that's popping. That's amazing. You got to tell <laughs> yeah. me. So was that your the first place that you started putting out like a message and started being so vocal about your beliefs? Or did you do it on Instagram before and you found more success mm -hmm. on TikTok? I actually don't have TikTok, so I don't really know what the difference in like content making is. But I'd love to hear like what your process went in like this road to like being where you're at now. Yeah, so I actually started creating uh, content on YouTube and it wasn't more so me talking about my beliefs. It was me talking about what I knew um, get, because I used to work in higher education, specifically in admissions. Mm -hmm. So as a first generation student, I wanted to pass the knowledge along because I was when I got to students, it was like their senior year. So a lot of the information I wanted to share would have been great if they would have known it before. Mm -hmm. So I started my YouTube page, which was Let's Go That, where I just started talking about the college application process, things you want to do. Um, and then my little sister is actually the one who got me into TikTok. And um, she was like, oh, don't even make a TikTok account. You're too old. Nobody's even going to pay attention <laughs> to you, whatever. And so I started it as a joke to prove to her. I'm like, I'll watch. I'm going to blow up and you're going to feel sorry. And like little, like a month in, I already had 30,000 followers. And I was like, oh, wow. So 
then I started to see that like our community really wants that. Our community really needs more creators, Latinx creators that are talking about our issues. You know, because a lot of the creators that we have basically kind of use our community like for clout. You know, like we have the influencers that all they do is talk about how much they love elotes, how much they love hot dogs, how much, you know, like the, we have the influencers that basically just go all on stereotypes from our community. And when a lot of people saw me just talking about issues and talking about things we need to work on and other things about our community, I got a really great response from that. Hey, that's amazing. And what what is it about TikTok you think that you found so much success so early on? Like, like I said, I'm not on TikTok, so I, I know that it's pretty quick videos. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple that I think you had on TikTok and you, you tr- brought them over to Instagram. What is it about TikTok that you think like has helped you find this platform and this voice? Well, I think a lot of people really like TikTok because it's a place where anybody can potentially blow up, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just have to get lucky with the, with the algorithm. If enough people like your content like you you don't people don't have to be following you for them to see your content so you can just randomly pop up on anybody's page um and the more people see and the more people interact with a particular video then it gets shown out to a lot more people um and so people specifically on social media aren't used to seeing latinx people talking about serious issues in a condensed quick way, you know, Mm -hmm. like I try to do my videos really quick, obviously, because you only have one minute and I try to explain it in a way that it's easy for people to understand. And I feel like a lot of our community is really deprived of that because a lot of times when we're actually talking about issues, it's really complex Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of jargon in there. And Mm -hmm. so when I was talking in things, really simple terms, everybody's like, you feel this way too? Oh my God, I feel this way too. And so a lot of Latinx youth really resonated with that. And I, I watched one of your videos. So and on your YouTube videos, you do more like stream of consciousness, just going and, and venting about anything that you've had on your mind throughout the week, right? That's where you could have like a little yeah. bit more long form type things. Mm-hmm. And do you find yeah. that it's harder to get people to watch like those long things? Like, is it easier when people have it condensed down to like a minute? Yeah, it's definitely easier when people have it condensed down to a minute. And I've actually, I don't know if you saw, but I haven't been posting on my YouTube channel as much Mm -hmm. because I just find it easier. Like the editing process is so much easier on a 60 second video versus like an hour long video. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just haven't had the time for more YouTube content. So that's sticking to TikTok for now. Hey, and you found like a lot of success and a lot of support on TikTok. So why not focus on the one that is like just popping off? And I, so I watched one of your videos and I liked this. uh, You went into this conversation about there's a point where you might be first generation Latinx born in the United States and your parents, like their whole dream was I need to do, I need to get my kids there. I need to get to the United States. So my kids have more opportunities than I had so that they can go to college so that they can have, you know, the American dream is, is the, the thing. Uh, but then you said it, you get to a point where if you're in that first generation and you do go to college and you get that education, you then seem kind of like, and you feel like an outsider because they might feel like, Oh, what you think you're better than me. Like you're, they now see you in this like elite sense. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So in that, video I was basically venting about how a lot of first generation students um, have this sense of like when you go to school you you don't fit in you feel like you don't fit in you feel like you don't belong there 
um, because what in the university that I went to was predominantly white. And so that was a huge culture shock for me. Like I didn't see people like me. I didn't, even the town where the, my university was, there was no Mexican food around. Like it was completely different. So I didn't feel like I belonged. And then when I started to go home and started to talk to my family about the things I was learning, that didn't feel like home either because now they felt like I was consistently judging mm. and I was trying to impose and I was trying to change the way they were. Mm. And that was really difficult. And I feel like a lot of first generation students can identify with that because you no longer know how to navigate spaces. Because when you go back to the your institution, you feel supported because they also are learning the same things that you're doing, right? And that you're all learning. And so with these new, how to be more inclusive, how to be more supportive towards others, they understand that. But they don't understand your experiences as a person of color. Mm -hmm. And then when you go back home, they understand your experiences as a person of color, but they don't understand the inclusivity, the supportive, all of the other aspects. And so then people are like stuck in this limbo of, what do I call home? Where do I feel 100% comfortable now? And you kind of have to build that community for yourself is okay. what I found. Hey, mm -hmm. and so that is because you said you went to a university that was predominantly white. Mm -hmm. So the area that you live in now, I, I don't know too much about the demographics of Oregon. Is it mainly, is there any like Latino, Latina diversity as in like from different countries or is it mainly from, uh, you know, maybe Mexican Americans or, or what is it like? Yeah, so Oregon, the state itself is predominantly white. Mm -hmm. We do have a uh, Latinx population is not that big. Majority of them are Mexican or Mexican American. Um, and we also do have a hefty Salvadorian population. Mm. Mm -hmm. Hey, is there a lot of uh, uh, pupusas? Yeah, but mostly. Yes. <laughs> we have some good pupusas places around here. Oh, I love yeah. pupusas. Pupusas are so good. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. <laughs> um, and do you feel that uh, whenever you do interact with other like uh, Latinx from different countries, that it's like a completely different conversation that you're having with them when it relates to, because I know a lot of the content you focus on uh, refers to the Mexican American community and kind of like the issues and the, the relationships that they have. Do you find it that it's like very, very different, the, the you know, struggles and, and situations that other Latinx countries have? Or when you speak to them, like maybe it's not people that are in your community, but thanks to the internet, you know, you can get in touch with anybody from mm -hmm. anywhere. Is it much mm -hmm. of a difference? So they experience like on the big level, the amount of xenophobia, it's pretty similar. Like everybody experiences at the same level. But then when we start talking about struggles within our own community, that's when you see the key differences, you know, because uh, Mexican-Americans, Kaina and Mexicans take over. Like when you think of Latinos, when other people think of Latinos, they automatically assume that everybody's Mexican or Mexican-American. Mm -hmm. And so the struggles of people from Central America and South America often get erased. So for them, it's them talking about that, like the erasure of themselves, their identity and their culture and how the Mexican community refuses to acknowledge that. Because a lot of times, and even in my videos, I've talked about xenophobia within the Latinx community towards Central American. Um, I've seen a lot of people's comments start to be like, well, why would they get offended that they go Mexican? What's wrong with being Mexican? And it's like, that's not the issue. They're not saying yeah. that there's anything wrong with being Mexican. They're saying that it's wrong for them to assume. Like, and what does a Mexican, Mexican person even yeah. look like? 
exactly like you don't like being called something that you're not like it's mm-hmm. not that they're saying that being mexican is bad it's like acknowledge me for my identity mm. and you- not for what you think i am it sounds like people are deflecting when they like say things like that or right. like you said in one video where it's like people are so afraid of being called racist more so than the actions that they actually do they're just like they get real like what do you mean like i didn't say that i'm, I'm not racist and do you sense that a lot when you put out the content that you put out yes that's <laughs> almost always the response that i get it's super defensive it's super deflective. It's like nitpicking at one thing that I said to avoid talking about like the whole subject. Mm. You know, like sometimes they'll even just focus, like most of the time when I post things and I get backlash from the Mexican community, um, the comments that I always get is like, well, you just hate the community then. Like all you talk about is the negative side. Why don't you ever talk about the good side? And it's like, I do, but this is, we're talking about our issues. Like mm-hmm. I have, I've said this so many times, like I'm not here to tokenize my community for clout. I'm here to educate my community on things that we can do better. In advance, right? That's mm-hmm. always the goal is is like, why, yes, you can focus. And we have days, we have whole celebrations. We have whole periods of times where we celebrate achievements by our communities, but you also right. gotta be moving forward. And that's a huge thing. So do you find it difficult? Like, have you had any trouble speaking with family members have you had any issues when it comes to like disagreements between them like mm-hmm. older relatives oh definitely yeah definitely because you always get the especially when you're talking with older folks you always get the deflection of you're being disrespectful mm-hmm. you know when you try to correct them on something that you're doing or you call them out for something problematic that you did they say that you are being disrespectful mm-hmm. and i'm like you really need to understand what disrespectful when somebody's generally being disrespectful and when somebody's challenging you to do better. Mm -hmm. Those are two completely different things. And you cannot keep using this excuse that you're older, therefore you know better. It's like, yes, you know better in a lot of things. You know more than I do in a lot of things, but I also have a different life experience that's allowed me to learn different things. And now I wanna help you so we can improve together. And yeah, there's been definitely family members that I no longer talk to because we just cannot agree with that. And I just refuse to be disrespected. Oh man, that's a, that's such a shame when it gets to that point. Cause it's like, we should be learning from each other. Just be open to the dialogue and open to, there was things that you couldn't have learned in your generation because you didn't have access to the internet and all these resources that I am, right. you know, you made have came to America to give me. And I took advantage of it. That, that should have been the the, the you know, congratulations, you took advantage of all the opportunities that those that came before you gave you. Why would you not want to pass on that knowledge that you learned and that others might not have been privileged enough to get? So that's always a shame when family members like get to that level. And I, I thankfully have never gotten to that. I have like a couple of, of tias down in Florida who they're, they're grand tias. They're like my grandma sisters. And my grandma told me that they were they were voting for Trump and they got so pro- they got hit with the most propaganda message the reason that they told my grandma that they were going to vote for Trump was because they said Joe Biden was going to legalize abortion and in my head I'm like abortion uh, is already legal but they didn't know like they don't know that and I yeah. I'm not at close enough with them to, to tell them but it really does suck and like do you see that a lot of your family is is like led to misinformation like i feel like i'm all the time getting this misinformation on whatsapp like family group members will send me stuff on whatsapp and i'm just like oh god like this is so fake or like this is just like a youtuber like in his basement that that made it look good but this is all wrong right 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I was sitting, I don't know what Univision looks like on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, like they all look different, right? Like mm -hmm. the material that Univision puts out looks different. The types of stuff that our local like Spanish channels are putting on are definitely more on the conservative end. Right. Um, so like when George, when the George Floyd case was happening, um, something that was like super disturbing because I, I don't live with my parents, but I go in and I visit them often. Like my mom was cooking in the kitchen and like the news were just on in the background. Um, they were playing the video of George Floyd being murdered on a loop mm -hmm. as they were criticizing George Floyd's life. Oh God, what were they saying? And, that, oh, he was a criminal or he had passed like... Yeah, as they were saying like, oh, George Floyd wasn't the perfect man. He was like oh. all of that as they're showing people this person being murdered. Mm -hmm. Like that's propaganda. Mm -hmm. That was propaganda. And I was like, mom, what do you know about George Floyd? And then she told me and it was all wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm like, this is what our parents are hearing. And like also regarding COVID. Um, so ever since like that happened and I told them, hey, the news, stop watching the news. They stopped watching news, but now they get their news from Facebook. Oh, and I'm no. like, no, stop doing that. It's worse. <laughs> like my dad, <laughs> I was like, dad, do you wear masks when you're at work? And he's like, no. And I'm like, why not? You're going to get COVID. And he's like, COVID's fake. And I'm like, oh, oh no. No. <laughs> no. But then I had to explain COVID. So like I've made a few videos on TikTok where I'm like, hey, like so speaking specifically to Latinx folks, the younger generation, I'm like, make sure you're explaining things to your parents in mm -hmm. Spanish because they don't have the same access to information that we do their access is specifically targeted to give them false information. Mm. I mean, we saw with like the whole Republican party situation that they did during this election, they targeted Latinos by telling them that Democrats are socialists mm -hmm. and Democrats are communists. And that's how they gained a lot of like Cuban votes because they tricked them into believing that the Democrats are somehow socialists and communists when they're so far from that. Mm -hmm. I wonder what is the way to make those attacks less effective because I truly believe that the Republicans would have literally copied and pasted the whole socialist thing and just said it like if it was Bernie as the nominee, if it was Kamala as the nominee, they would have literally just done it to anybody. Copy and paste. Okay, exactly. insert blank here is a socialist. And exactly. I, they definitely did it to Obama back in 2012 and 2008. But the mm -hmm. thing is, so I was reading Obama actually down in Florida won the Cuban vote on election day because of the absentee valleys, uh, ball ballots, Mitt Romney took the lead, but only by a few percentage points. So it's like the Cuban American population mm -hmm. down there is definitely a, like reachable. Like we can definitely reach them with some type of message, but we 100% gotta like make that socialist attack less effective. Like do some type of messaging and be like, listen, this is not true. And anyways, the United States has plenty of socialist programs that you probably enjoy. Like how many of you are on Medicaid or Medicare and like, getting that and Florida, exactly. they passed a $15 minimum wage on a direct ballot initiative. So like, which Joe Biden uh, uh, supports. So it's like, you guys didn't vote for the candidate who does this, but you did support the, the issue. There's gotta be a way to get that messaging across. And uh, the reason right. that I reached out to you was actually because my cousin shared uh, one of your videos, the one where you're talking about, let's get serious about Latinos for Trump. And I was like, yo, this is somebody who was like, all right, we actually got to talk about this. Like, ha ha, we all laugh about it and stuff. I laugh about it, Latinos for Trump, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. a serious thing. And we saw him make gains in some Latino communities. It wasn't just the, mm -hmm. the, the Cuban American community either. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I think according to NBC, 46% of his increase in Florida was from Colombians and Nicaraguans. So there's something there. 
Uh, can you talk a little bit more about like, yeah, why would Latinos vote for Trump? Why would they support Trump with all the rhetoric that he's done? Like, obviously, he he didn't win the Latino vote, thankfully, but he made gains in it. Yeah. Which, like what? <laughs> yeah. So the the big thing that everybody discovered is that not all Latinos have the same political views, right? In this election, that was the big thing. Um, and oh my god, sorry, I <laughs> completely lost my train of thought. Take your time. Um, it's a podcast. As as the question again. <laughs> so just like yeah, explain what you were saying in that video, like reasons why Latinos would vote for Trump, even though like the rhetoric that he spills out. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. The big thing that everybody learned is obviously we don't all have the same political views and that Latinos are not a monolith. We're not homogenous. We all think very differently. We all come from different countries. We all have different customs and different cultures. Some of us even speak different languages and we're all from different races. Mm-hmm. Everybody values different things. So it's kind of like, it seems a little ridiculous that people would assume that all Latinos would vote a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that's what basically the world was just like, I mean, the world, the country was just like, how come people would support Trump? And it's like, because people are different. People have different values. People have different class statuses. And also like from countries that have been destroyed by socialism and communism, that rhetoric that the, that the Republicans keep sending really stirred them mm-hmm. towards the Trump vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trump also really encouraged people to other themselves, Right. Because in the very beginning of his election, Trump targeted immigrants, Mm -hmm. specifically immigrants, and he made them look like the bad guys. So for Latinx that had been here for several generations, they did everything they could to distance themselves from that, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, we're not them. We came here the right way, Mm -hmm. or we've been here for a really long time. And so those people where you have somebody who's in power who's saying those people are bad, and they don't want to be targets, they're going to distance themselves. And so that's why more and more Latinos tend to gear for Trump. And also I heard a lot of, um, from that video, I heard a lot of people in Texas, Latinos in Texas, where um, a lot of them work in the oil industry Mm -hmm. and Trump is bailed out the oil industry and he got a lot of, um, he approved a lot of more drilling. Mm -hmm. And so they support him because he has given them jobs. Mm. So it's, a lot of parts of the community were willing to sacrifice the vulnerable parts of the community just so they could benefit. And that's what it was, you know, like not everybody has the same level of empathy and not everybody cares about more vulnerable people if they're not the ones that are being immediately affected. Exactly. Yeah. Like once you get a few generations down, people that are born like Latinos and Latinas that are born here don't even have the thought of immigration. They don't even have like those stories that right. where they can hear like, Oh, when we were in our uh, countries where we were born in and all this, and when we came here and they don't, they're so far displaced from that. And yeah, I, I saw he, uh, he, I don't know if he won, but he definitely made huge improvements in a couple counties on the Texas border. And I don't know where mm-hmm. I heard it, but a journalist was describing that a lot of the Latinos and Latinas down there, their jobs are they work for border control, like they work for immigration. Yeah. That's literally a big yeah. employer down there, which mm-hmm. obviously like molds a little bit of their view on how they, they see the situation and how they see Trump. It's just, it's, it's also like, I don't, so I think everybody was celebrating, look, we beat Trump, like that's it. You got the boot, you lost your job. 
it wasn't necessarily a celebration for Joe Biden. Joe Biden wasn't like the the number one pick. He wasn't like the yeah. Right. Nobody was <laughs> celebrating. Yeah. It wasn't we were like, just you celebrating know. that we defeated him. Yeah. Exactly. That he's out and that we can now start steering the ship back in the right direction from and like, you know, reverse some of this damage that he's done. But it wasn't like, oh, Joe Biden inspires like a, a strong message. In fact, I remember during the primary because I was following it and like transparently I, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter. He, I remember seeing a clip. Hey, um, so yeah, Bernie. Bernie, I got a, a sign somewhere here because I went to his Queens, like Bernie's back rally, which was amazing. It was huge, but um, I remember watching a clip of a, a Latino man asking Joe Biden about the deportations under the Obama administration, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Go vote for Trump. Go vote, vote for Trump. Vote for Trump." And it was like, "Hey, man, you don't even want to listen to this guy's like valid criticism that deportations." Right. Even- Obama you're just gonna mm-hmm. brush him off and it almost felt like that was the whole campaign where it was just like yeah mm-hmm. Latinos Latinos like they'll vote for me like let's not even really like put in that much effort and so I don't want to get Joe Biden off the hook like he should have done a better job reaching out and, and putting out that message definitely and then another thing is yeah like not all mm-hmm. Latinos care about immigration so like a lot of Latinos they list what are your top three priorities corona handling uh the economy and jobs all things that should of like that affect everybody across the spectrum, especially during a pandemic where we had so much levels of unemployment. What do you think the Democrats can do better? Because I am a little worried that right now Biden still won the Latino vote and the Latino and Latino vote. But in the future, 2024, if the Republicans are smart and they see, OK, look, this was working, even though Trump's crazy outlandish rhetoric, he still was able to make increases. And I think he got like the second most votes in all popular election history only second to joe biden this this election mm-hmm. yeah it was definitely a historic turnout mm-hmm. uh, for voting because people felt really strong like trump did a lot of damage to our country and mm-hmm. his supporters really love him like they support him he could do anything and they'll still support him um and i think that the Democrats have gotten too comfortable that they're always going to have the minority support. Like it's also, it's the same thing with the black community. It's the same thing with the Asian community, you know, like their whole thing the past few years has been like, vote for us because we're not, we're not Republicans. Like we're not them. Like the Republicans are the hateful ones. Like we're, we're the progressive ones without ever actually like addressing real issues. Like, you know, um, in California, yes, California went to Joe Biden, but California also had on the ballot um, rent control mm. and they didn't approve it. It didn't go through. Dang. Californians voted for no, and that, how does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Like California is known as like this epitome of like being a liberal Democrat state, but you won't approve rent control. So a lot of the things that the Democratic Party needs to look at is they need to stop being so elitist mm-hmm. and they need to start addressing actual issues that affect these communities which is they need to start investing in education a lot more they need to start um passing laws to get rent under control they need to help with higher education um and of course they also need to address immigration and they need to address daca Mm -hmm. daca students you Mm -hmm. know like that's those are all things that are really going to benefit not just the latino community but all minority communities and i feel like that's what will make a lot of people trust the Democrats again. And also, I just don't believe that this two-party system can keep working because you just get people voting to vote for their party and people aren't actually looking at what the candidates have to say. Because like you were saying, 
Joe Biden was not the best pick. No. But we went with it. And we all had to go with it because mm. he's not Trump. Look at there the were a guy. lot of people. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of other candidates that had great issues. And as soon as Joe Biden won, those issues stopped being talk about, talked about completely. Mm -hmm. So this can't keep going keep going on because nobody really benefits. You just have to choose between the lesser two evils. Every time. And there's already yeah. reports that Donald Trump may run again in 2024. And I can totally Is that see even it. allowed? I have it, <laughs> I it's like only know. been done a couple times, but if anyone's gonna do it, he will. Which only like yeah. it, it sets up the next four years to be like, oh, if, if Donald Trump comes back, like we can't go too far left. We can't do these social like we can't do these social de democratic policies because you know there's an existential evil that's coming ahead in four years. So let's not criticize Joe Biden at all because we don't want to give them ammunition. And it's like how will we ever progress like this with this like right. just every four years or every eight years reversing what the last president just did because that's what mm -hmm. obama did reversed a whole bunch of obama regulations just so that joe biden can now go back and reinstate them all like it's just no right. progress nobody moves we, we don't get to move forward yeah like that's what it seems this teeter-totter right like clinton did all this progress and then bush came in and set all of it back into a recession obama fixed the region now Trump, we're back in a recession. Now Biden, like, you know, it's just this going back and forth. And it's, it's just like both of them trying to screw over constantly. And the American people are the ones who end up paying for it. Mm. And what are like the, the issues that, that uh, you know, motivate you the most? Like, what are the things that you care most about? Because I see, so you're an intersectional feminist, correct? Which is a term I would love for you to explain mm -hmm. to me because I, I definitely, I've seen it all the places, like everywhere. and. I know it's a good thing. I know that it means like you care about more issues than that. I don't, I know it's that you care about a lot of issues. <laughs> and so if you could explain what that means, what that means to you and then what those issues are that like mostly drive you. Yeah. So, um, I like that you asked that because a lot of the times on my TikTok videos before like, who are you for? Like, who do you even like go for? Cause you criticize everything. Like, I don't understand what you're doing here. And so my favorite term is intersectionality because intersectionality basically says that we are all made up of different identities. Like there is not one identity that defines you. So for example, me, like I'm a woman, right? But I'm also a woman of color. I am also part of the LGBTQIA community. I also um, have mental health issues, like I'm passionate about mental health issues. So there are, you are part of many different worlds. And when you're walking along the world, you have many different faces depending on what group you are facing. And so intersectionality addresses that, that you are not just a woman. You are not just a member of the LGBTQA. You are part of this bigger world and you cannot talk about one issue without talking about the other. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what a lot of people don't really understand. So specifically when we're talking about Latinx issues, a lot of people solely mm -hmm. want to talk about immigration and then when you try to bring up machismo, when you try to bring up um, femicidio, we try to bring all of those people get upset and they're like, that's not what we're talking about. And it's like, we cannot talk about Latinx issues without talking about all of the issues because there's multiple things going on. Of course, yeah, there's, and so is, is this like the next, I know there's been waves of feminism kind of, and so there's been like first wave, second mm -hmm. wave. Is this now a just more inclusive feminism? Because I know 
it might have been second wave was more the benefits like kind of helped out more white women in suburban like areas mm -hmm. where you know they were now in offices they were in better positions in business yeah. and stuff but it didn't include obviously trans women it didn't include women of color like the benefits went way mm -hmm. less to them so is this more just of an inclusive form of feminism yes okay uh, uh, this is a way more inclusive form of feminism and it's also addressing um issues that have to do with males as well it also mm. includes males okay so and, and in what ways does it include males? Because I know that's obviously like a, uh, one of those kind of defensive triggers for men where it's like, what, what do you mean? Like, do you hate men? Like, I, I, right. I'm not a uh, toxic masculinity and all this. So like, in what ways does this form of feminism right. address all that? Right. So down to the roots, feminism just wants equality across the gender spectrum. Mm -hmm. Right. And that also includes men. Like people don't want to be more than men. People just want to be equal to. Mm -hmm. And so this wave of feminism is doing a really great job at addressing the fact that toxic masculinity and the patriarchy also affect and set back men. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of the things and where men have an easier time understanding, it's like in regards to emotional development right like emotional development for men is not really looked at in a positive way mm. right like young boys are never really allowed to express themselves you know mm. their only emotions that they're allowed to feel is anger mm -hmm. and happiness like they're not allowed to feel sad they're not allowed to feel confused they're not allowed to express themselves so it's kind of teaching men that it's okay to be vulnerable and that the reason why you're the way you are is because society didn't allow you to because they told you what a man should be. And there's no right or wrong way as to how a man should be. So it's including them in that conversation instead of like, you're just toxic. It's like, no, this is why yeah. you are the way that you are now. Hey, I, I like that so much better. And I think a, a, another great example of that would be because I see like there's men's right activists now, which is hilarious to me. Uh, like, when did we I not know. have men's rights? Like, it's just stupid to me. Yeah. But one of the things that they always say is, oh, women in like paternal court and like when it comes to uh, uh, child custody, mm -hmm. women get pref uh, preferred treatment from judges and stuff. Well, it's like, why? Because we live in this society where we now, where we believe that women are the caregivers automatically and that they're the ones that should be taking care mm -hmm. of the kids. We live in that type of society. So that molds the views of the judges and the system where it's like, okay, now it comes down to where does the child go? The mother or the father? Uh, well, we're going to go with the mother who is what we perceive as the caregiver. Which So it exactly. ultimately ends up affecting <laughs> men. Yeah. Yeah. It's And it's also like, women didn't put that view on themselves mm -hmm. men did men made them the caregiver and so that society views us this way because that's what men designed it to be so it's like now they're like oh this isn't fair it's like yeah but we didn't come up with that in the first place and that's what we're talking about like this affects you too like mm -hmm. these set of rules affect all of us and are restricting all of us a hundred percent yeah and I, it feels almost like that's like a less hostile way of going at it because yeah, some people, especially on social media, get like real triggered real quick. And like, I truly believe that it, it's it's very yeah. hard to have yeah. a real genuine like mind changing conversation on social media. Like, I don't know about like for you, but do you ever- Yeah, like, you, you really can't. <laughs> right? Do you ever benefit from going back and forth in the comment section? No, no, it does, it does not work, you know, because when you're reading something via text you can interpret it differently you don't know you're going to read it in whatever tone you want to read it so even though i might be saying it in an 
educational way, you might think that I'm being condescending towards you, mm -hmm. right? So it's like going over text back and forth does not work. So usually what I do when I see a few comments that are kind of like the similar defensive and they're saying the same argument, I'll just make another video. I'm like, I'm seeing this. This is why I believe that this is wrong. And also you always want to um, clarify like, I'm not making this up as I go. Like, this is what I've learned through the education that I've received. This is what I've learned through my life experiences. I didn't just wake up today and decide that the patriarchy is a thing. Like, <laughs> explaining that, that this is not me personally trying to attack you. I'm telling you about a system that exists and how it affects both of us. Yeah, exactly. That is a great way. And so I have to get to it because I've, I've seen on social media, the social media that I have you on on Instagram, where one of the big things that you talk about is uh, the Latinx community saying the N word. And so I would love for you to talk about that because I know you've gone back and forth with plenty of people. I've seen a couple comments on YouTube and then a couple on Instagram. I'd love for you to express your, your views on that. Yeah. So a lot of the Latinx community thinks that we get a pass to say the N-word because we are also people of color. Um, and a lot of people believe that they have a pass because they live in communities with a lot of Black people and they've just been raised in their community. It's been okay for them to say that, like Black people don't get offended. Like that's what they tell me. And I always try to explain, I'm like, okay, but you don't live your entire life in that community. When you step out of that community and you go out into the rest of the world, when somebody hears you say that word, they think you're ignorant and they think you're a racist. Now, why do they think that? Because that word is engraved in hatred. That word was created to dehumanize a group of people and it's been used to dehumanize them and to hate them for centuries. And it's still being used like that to this day. So how is somebody who does not know you supposed to know whether you're saying it in a friendly way or if you're saying it in a hateful way. When you could say it friendly and then two seconds later, somebody will say it in a hateful way. Like mm -hmm. you can't, because people a lot of the times are like, it's in tone and it's like, it doesn't matter your tone because that word is still currently being used to dehumanize black people. Mm. Well, and it's not okay. Do you think there's mm -hmm. a difference between it with the ER at the end and the A at the end? Because I, I feel like that would be the difference people would say where like, this is how you tell if it's hostile or if it's in like a, my homie kind of friend way is I'm saying it with the A at the end. Nobody's saying it with the ER at the end. And if you ever heard a rap song with the ER at it, you would be like, whoa, but you're so used to hearing it with the A, especially with like, cause like Fat Joe, there's a lot of Latinx um, rappers yeah. and entertainers <laughs> that have said it like growing up and like Fat Joe, even to today, Cardi B says it, uh, Takashi 69 says it. Pop Smoke, who is a uh, half Panamanian, he says it in all his songs. So it's like, how much of it is it like, look, we're just listening to the to the artists that are saying it out there. Everybody is saying it with the A, like, it, you know, not everybody. It's definitely a whole other conversation with white people, which is why I find it so interesting to talk about the Latinx relationship with it, because I will be the first to admit, right. I'm from New York, like here, I used to rap, so my early 20s, and like I started rapping when I was 18, I just hung out with a lot of rappers who happened to be black. And so I would say the N-word because I had that mentality where it was like, we got the past, like we're in there. You know, Fat Joe has said it, Big Pun has said it, there's all these Latin, Latinx artists who have said it and nobody's wrong with it. And I would grow up, I grew up with people, I would say it in rap ciphers, like when we did perform shows and stuff. 
and nobody ever checked me on it. But now, like, I'll be the first to admit, it has gradually faded out of my vocabulary. I haven't said that, like, I haven't really said it in, in years. Like, it just, and I, I don't have an exact reason why, it just kind of faded out of my vocabulary. But I do know that in New York, it is so, like, I still got cousins who are Dominican, 100% Dominican, and they say it because they grew up in the Bronx, they grew up in Queens, they grew up in these neighborhoods that were so diverse. And for them, it's just like, listen, I grew up saying it, like, I hear all these artists saying it, and we clearly don't mean it the hateful way. Like, we know the history of it, but we're still saying it in a way where it's not hateful. So what, what do you say about that? Because I do think it's very different in New York. And I've, I've spoken, like, I've made this a point to, to speak about it with people, like, with Black people on my show. Like, what do you think about this? And it's always mixed. It's always a little bit different. Like, there are people that will mm -hmm. say, like, look, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, if you identify more with Black culture and this, blah, 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 like, I don't care. And then others who they're like, you know, we grew up in Cincinnati or we grew up in the Midwest. And like, that is a very different thing out there than it is in New York. Like in New York, this is like a very different thing out here, the relationship between those two communities. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying um, with New York can also apply to basically every major city in the US, like LA, mm -hmm. um, Portland, Atlanta, like all of those cities, like people will have the same reasoning. It's like, I'm not saying it in a hateful way. I don't mean it that way. But I think it's really interesting that we all know and we all can recognize that when a white person says it, even mm -hmm. if they're not saying it in a hateful way, we're all like, you can't say that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, just because you're Latinx doesn't automatically mean that you're a person of color. Mm -hmm. Like you. You know, like, you have to understand that. Like, they, we have white Latinos, too. Yeah. Um. So, like, being Latino is not automatically a pass. And mm -hmm. yes, sure, there are some Black people that are okay with you saying it around them. Mm -hmm. And that's them. But the Black community as a whole has multiple times said, if you're not Black, please don't use this word. Right? There are so many different words that we can use. Mm -hmm. Why is it necessarily that you want to use that one? And I know a lot of people want to use music, um, as an excuse, you know, because they hear artists saying it and they hear in that. And I yes. heard a quote and I can't remember who said it, but it was so good. It's like, don't use music as an excuse for your ignorance, mm -hmm. right? Like, even though you know that the history behind the word, but you keep hearing it in these songs, do you think that it's okay? Well, no, it's not. It's not okay because people are still hurt by that. And people still say it with the A and still meet it in a mm -hmm. really hateful way. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why it's, so hard for um for people to a lot of people to accept why it's okay for people to say this word because mm -hmm. even because people are always like i'm not saying it with the er and it's like the er is like the ultimate hateful thing that you can call a black person but people still use it with the a to dehumanize them as well so you can't say like you can't the word can't coexist in a friendly way and in a hateful way like it's mm -hmm. just it doesn't work like that you know like people will also be like, then why do black people say it? And it's like, well, they reclaim that word. Yeah. That word was used to hurt them. They have taken their power from that word. So they get to say it. Are there black people that say it in a negative way to describe other black people? Yes. Mm -hmm. But that's their issue. Like we don't get to tell black people what they can and cannot do. Mm. But when it comes to like a word that was created to dehumanize them, they get to tell us whether or not we can say it. And majority says we can't say it. So mm. Is that true though? Let's like, just listen to them. I tried finding, I, I literally tried typing in like, what do black people think about uh, Latinx saying the N-word? And I was like, let me find a, a survey or a poll or something. I couldn't find anything uh -huh. where it was like, okay, this is what they say. So I, I found a lot of like opinion 
op-eds, columns and stuff where it would say like, you know, mm -hmm. don't say it. But at what point do we now erase the voices of black people who say like, look, we don't care, like, because there are like, this, this is what it is. It's, there's not a monolith of idea. So like we said, there are obviously black people mm -hmm. who don't care. And then there are black people who do care, which to me is why mm -hmm. it was like, look, if you go to a different community, if you grew up hearing it and you grew up saying it, and then you went to a different community and you said it and someone was like, hey, I don't like you saying that, then you should stop saying it. You should, it's the same thing as like, if somebody says, look, this is my pronoun. And then you refuse to call them their pronoun. You're an asshole. If somebody tells you like, look, mm -hmm. I'm not cool with you saying this word and you keep saying it, you're an asshole. <laughs> like, that's really what it is. Like, mm -hmm. do not invalidate people's feelings about this. And black right. people mm -hmm. do not need to explain why they can or can't say it. Like, they do not need to explain that at all. It's, it's almost though like, you know, I believe language changes over time. Uh, the NAACP mm -hmm. is, what is it? The National Advancement of, of Something Colored People. The UNCF is the United Negro College Fund. These are two huge organizations that push for black rights and stuff. And but they, these terms are like you would never hear Negro, colored people. Like these are outdated terms and stuff. And it's almost like at what point do we put the pressure on hip hop artists? I think there was a couple of hip hop artists and a couple of radio DJs last year who said, look, we're not saying the N word anymore. We want this dead across the NAACP in like 2005 held a, a, a a funeral for the n-word they were like we want this gone across the board and it's like we gotta at what point do we put pressure on the entertainment industry to be like look stop saying this especially like the cardi b's and the, the takashi 69s because they have so much influence and they are latinx mm -hmm. there's a lot well so cardi b has come out and said that she is part black so that's her reasoning as to why she says it and i haven't really looked at um she her parent one parent is too much Trinidadian. into her history yeah, one parent's Trinidadian, yeah. the other's Dominican, is what it is her. Yeah, so that's that's why she says that it's okay. But a lot of people, a lot of Black people, keep coming after Takashi Six Nine because he's just, he's Mexican. Why are you saying it? You know, Mexican like American. Yeah, like there's no reason for you to be saying Takashi Six Nine is a terribly problematic person all around. So he's never gonna listen. You know, like I mean, he is there's a lot of accusations of to his behavior. So <laughs> Takashi 69 is a terrible example, a but there cause. are, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are black artists that, re yeah, there are black artists that have chosen to stop using the N word. And again, there are other black artists that they use it in their music. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw the video, I think it was Kendrick Lamar. He brought a white fan up on stage yeah. to go rap word for word on a verse and the and fan said the N word and he mm -hmm. was like, whoa, like you remember that? You gotta like, censor that one like, word. You can't say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta censor that word. And she was white, like, well, right? I'm pretty sure she was in the white. Song. Yeah, she was white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was white. And so it's like, if we can all understand that, why do we have such a hard time when like other communities like it's not just the latinx community the asian community also uses the n-word so much and it's it also like i think what this all comes down to is that all of our communities have deep roots with anti-blackness mm -hmm. so that's that's what this whole conversation comes down to our community has a lot of anti-blackness mm -hmm. and so we do not get to claim that we can say this word and we have a past when there is so much anti-blackness that's valid. Ingrained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I feel like that's honestly what it all comes down to. Like our community, the Asian community, like every community has deep roots in anti-blackness. And that's why we can't say that we should be able to use this word. 
that is also rooted in hatred and anti-blackness. That is all very valid. You have great points. Have you ever spoken to a black person that is like, yo, I'm cool with it? Yeah, yeah. So they, I like, I have a lot of friends in college. We had a lot of these conversations and they're like, yeah, I'm cool with it. And they're like, but I also respect that there are other people that aren't cool with it. So mm. like I tell my friends, they can say it around me, but like if you say it around another person, like they might punch you in the face and you have to be okay with that because your actions have consequences. So even if I tell you it's okay, the person sitting next to me might not think it's okay. And you have to be ready to defend why you think you should say that word. I completely agree. You have freedom of speech, but somebody has like freedom to hold you accountable for what you say. That is uh, something that my right. friend once told me and that is the perfect thing. Like, yeah, look, if you feel ballsy enough to say it and then they say, yo, what the fuck? And they punch you in the face, like be prepared for those consequences. But like, I truly do think that people that say it and like, for example, people from New York that grew up saying it, Latinx people that grew up saying it here, they're not gonna go to a different community and just like say it out loud walking down the block it's going to be like where they're friendly with another black person from that community. And if there's a friend of a friend there who is black and it's like, yo, I'm not cool with that. Then that's a whole discussion of like, dude, just don't say it. Like this person obviously doesn't want you to say it. Don't be an asshole. But I do think that you are extremely reasonable about this. Like I saw a couple people saying like, Hey, why'd you block me on TikTok?" And you were like, well, it's because I tried explaining to this and explaining this concept to you and you didn't understand. I got annoyed and I blocked you. But I do think that you are completely reasonable about like the points and understanding and hearing the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, I'm gonna keep having a conversation with you as long as we're both actually listening to one another. But if I feel like you just wanna be right the whole time, there's no point. There's no point of this conversation to keep going because you're not gonna, we're not, you're not gonna see my point. You're just trying to convince me of your point and that's not a conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's what it is. And mm -hmm. that's what I feel social media is like just trying to shut the other person down and like just trying to get points on them like just being i don't know it's it's not real dialogue and it's not going to change or improve anybody's life but i do see that that people that that's like a big thing for you and that people obviously have different feelings about it but you know at the end of the day it really is up to the black community to say look if we don't want this like if you can't if we don't want you to say this then you shouldn't fight us on this like why the hell are you going to fight us on a word that was used to literally oppress us that's what it comes down to. Exactly. That's that's the thing like on social media where like if there's a black person telling you, hey, stop saying it, stop writing huge paragraphs as to why you think it's okay for you to say it. Just don't say it. It's not that hard. Like, stop saying it. I don't understand. Straight like, up. We all understand like there are racial slurs directed at us. We don't like it when we get called racial slurs. So same thing. It's the same thing. Straight up. I, I think it's a little different just because it's so mainstream. That's what it is. It's like you don't hear like Beaner in a song. You don't hear like Wetback or or Spick, like these derogatory terms. Like it's just so mainstream, which is why I think there should be some type of conversation amongst the entertainment industry to be like, listen, just for Latinx artists. Right. like Because mm -hmm. it's so influential. Yeah, the entertainment industry doesn't hold account get hold, held accountable for a lot of the damage that they do you know mm -hmm. like there's a lot i mean the entertainment industry has been responsible for a lot of communities being associated with negative stereotypes mm -hmm. like films music tv shows all of those have like been used to make fun and take jabs at different communities and we've all kind of been like uh, <laughs> it's so funny it's just like that's how the times were but it's like 
to the people that they were offending, it was never funny. Mm -hmm. It was never funny, but we keep letting the entertainment industry just kind of get away with so much mm. horrible thing. Amen to yeah. that. Yeah, that is 100% true. This has been an awesome conversation, Jackie. Can you let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can get more of your contact uh, content? Yeah, so you can go to any of my social media. It's all going to be at Gorda Corajuda. I mainly post a lot on uh, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm going to be a little better about posting onto YouTube. But if you go to any of my socials, I do have my link tree there. And you can just find all my other social media. Hey, and all of that will be in the show notes for sure. Jackie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Like I said, it was a great conversation. I do think that you are extremely reasonable and willing to like actually have a conversation about these like controversial issues, issues that like maybe the reason that we're having these discussions is because it was never brought up in the past. And like, it's the first time that it's actually being brought to the attention of our communities. So I think that this was a great conversation and I'm excited to see more of your work in the future. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who supports the show and has shared the show with a friend or a loved one. A special thank you to our guest, Jackie, for coming on the show. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the show notes to connect with Jackie and go check out all her awesome content. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at A Pretty Normal and message me if you'd like to come on the show or if there's any topic that you want me to cover. My name's Xavier Diaz and this was A Pretty Normal Podcast.